Welcome to Alert and Oriented, conversations about God between friends. Join Gary Barkalow and Sam Williamson as we talk about real life with the real God, really. There's an old English word, uh, old English root to the English word wrath, you know, W-R-A-T-H. And it's the same English root for the English word wreath. Like, you know, we have a Christmas wreath and the the Christmas wreath, the the wreath really just means twisted, you know, where you twist vines together. It's also the same, has the same English root as the word wraith. And we, you know, we heard about wraiths in uh, the Lord of the Rings where you had the, the bad wraiths. I can't remember what they're called. Um, but, but the idea that I love the connection here is there is a way that sometimes our wrath, our anger, our bitterness twists us. And it twists us with, this, um, with our anger into the point where we become insubstantial, bitter wraiths. And what Gary and I want to talk about tonight is is how do we deal with this inner anger, this wrath, this unforgiveness that very often so twists our soul? So, Gary. Yeah, you know, it, it that is looking at my own story, and we talk about living an evaluated life all the time. Mm-hmm. So looking at our own stories and listening to the stories of others, I realize probably the hardest thing to get rid of, the thing that's so seems to be so deep in our being, uh, kind of wrapped around us in the idea of a wreath, right? Twisted up and wrapped around us are just the things that have happened in our life that have hurt. They may have felt as extreme as we might call it as a betrayal in our life. It might be just a cutting comment that was truly cutting deep. You know, we have just never forgotten that. And, and those things, when they stay with us, um, they taint our life. They do something to us. And so it's just something that's so important for us to think about and to really catch in each other's life, I think, as we talk and we see something, something comes up and we think, oh, that feels, with that emotion, that tone, that expression, that feels like an area of unforgiveness in, in my friend's life. So I'm going to ask them about it. So this is such a prevalent stumbling block, we might call it, or, or you know, or, or thing. Yeah. And it's such an amazing thing, you know, as you're saying, it's not all just betrayals. I think I was thinking of betrayals because a little over a week ago, I preached a sermon on suffering and I was just talking with some people about how they suffer. And one of the biggest sources of suffering for people is a set of betrayals they remember and they experience. I mean, you and I have talked about, I remember once when I was betrayed by a business partner and I can remember the office I was sitting in. I can remember the sound of a fly on the wall. I mean, I can remember. I can. I can remember the smell. I mean, every once in a while, all this experience viscerally comes over my entire body. There is a way that a past betrayal, but any kind of situation that causes us unforgiveness, can really take over our bodies. And and you know, I've I've read studies. I can't remember any of them right now that say just holding on to bitterness harms your health. It harms you physically. You know, you, you get high blood pressure, you start um, get hardening in the arteries, you know, I don't know what it is, but there is a way bitterness does this, but even psych- socially, I mean, I, I love a quote by Sigmund Freud, my favorite saint, right? Saint Sigmund <laughs> Freud. <laughs> he once said, one must forgive one's enemies, preferably after they've been hanged. <laughs> I mean, I just love the, I love the quote and it is a legitimate quote, but 
I, I love the idea that even Freud would say, you really have to forgive these people. It's, yeah. it's harming you in some way. Yeah, that's such a great illustration of the idea of wrath that goes with unforgiveness. <laughs> so, you know, another quote, let me give you, and it's from one of my favorite books. We've mentioned it before in the past. is by Mark Buchanan called Spiritual Rhythm. And this is what he wrote. He's talking about the past. And he, and he kind of says there's two ways we deal with the past. One is nostalgia. You know, everything looks like everything is painted with gold. Or there's unforgiveness where everything is painted with black. And, and what he says is that nostalgia and unforgiveness makes history's hand on us heavy, not light, confining, not liberating. The past ends up claiming us in ways God never intended it to. Rather than imparting clear identity that shapes destiny, it twists identity and thwarts destiny. And so there's the idea of twisted again, right? So if we, if we have unforgiveness, it, instead of looking at our past and saying, oh, I, it, we do this all the time. We try to help people look at the past and say, how has God been architecting this? What is he speaking through your past, through the hard things and the good things? He says, no, what it does, instead of helps direct your destiny, it, it actually twists your destiny. Um, I, I just thought that went so well with this. I, it's just very true, I think. So, you know, Christians have taught forgiveness ever since Jesus on the cross said, forgive them, Father. You know, they don't know what they're doing. And you're thinking, Jesus on the cross is being betrayed by all of humanity, abandoned by, I guess, his disciples, and yet he's preaching forgiveness. So people said you can't read the Old Testament the same after you, re after you see Jesus' forgiveness on the cross. So we know this as believers. I would say if Sigmund Freud says you got to forgive, you got to say most of the world <laughs> thinks we should as well. Right. Why don't we? What, what holds up? What? what is clinging to us, what is twisting us that keeps us from forgiving? Yeah, and, and you know what, let me just say, I, you know, I have had people ask me, you know, you've asked me this friends in, in, in appropriate situations to say, is there anything in your past that you feel like you need to forgive? And, and I may honestly say, I can't think of anything. And I think that's true for most people who walk with God. If they did, they would say, oh, you know, there's this one thing I've been struggling with. But, but here's what I'd say. I think for most of us have dealt with consciously, you know, and probably 70 times seven, um, the things that have happened to us, we've forgiven it. But, but I think what typically happens is because we can live in an unaware situation, you know, we're just not self-evaluating, we're not connected deeply with what's happening in our heart, we're just unaware of when Jesus actually brings something to the surface for us because he wants us to deal with it now. And, and I think it, it takes that, you know, as we talked about a couple campfire conversations ago in that sermon I gave, we need to be alert, oriented, and engaged, you know, when I think, oh my goodness, why was I so upset just then with a, just a thought in my mind or, or today I was making a cup of coffee and I had a, you know, I had a spoonful of coffee grounds and I hit the side of the cup and the coffee grounds went everywhere. I was going to put it in a pour over filter, you know. I was pissed. <laughs> I mean, I said some things to, I don't know who I was talking to at the moment. <laughs> and I, 
I had to think, why am I so mad? I mean, that's an overreaction. And, and honestly, all today I've been thinking, what did that trigger? You know, because there is some area in my life that I either haven't forgiven given something that someone said about me and, and having to prove myself to be someone good or, or with myself. But I'm going to continue to pursue God on that and just say, what was that about? Please, Holy Spirit, show me what that was, because I'd really like to deal with it. So I think, again, living this alert and oriented, engaged life is so important to deal with unforgiveness in our lives. You know, I, I love that story. And, and I would say that I know that you have experienced suffering before that you might be bitter about. It could have been betrayal. It could have been just some, something somebody said. Um, I think for me, you know, the situation I had with a partner years and years ago, I think that part of the reason I haven't quote forgiven them is it sometimes just takes time. It's not that I haven't forgiven them. It's that, you know, I forgive this part of it and then something comes up and it reminds me of one other little part. And I realize I haven't dealt with that or I haven't dealt with this. I think forgiveness sometimes just takes time. It's not always that we say, I just won't forgive them. Although that could be the case for some of us because we felt so hurt. But lots of times I do think forgiveness is sometimes slowly cooked and it, and it just takes some time to penetrate our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, especially as you, you know, brought up this idea of betrayal and our good friend, Tom Moen, who said to us years ago on a podcast, you know, I, Never trust a man who hasn't gone through a good betrayal in his life. <laughs> we said, okay, explain that one. But it is true. You know, there's something that th there's a humility, there's a, a brokenness revealed that through a betrayal in our life. And when you go through some of those, you know, one of those that definitely cuts deep. And so I, as you're saying, I think there are, with a deep betrayal, it has so many roots to it. It's the person, it's the moment, but more than likely, it's touched a lot of other things in our life. And, and I do believe that the assault on our life is, is pretty thematic for each person. You know, it's, it's that entree that the enemy knows he has in our life. And so he'll come in in every angle he can and tie it all together for the multiplying effect. So I think it is over time, we just forgive another part of it and another part of it. I think that's very true. I, it is in my life. It's, it's like the dandelion in the lawn. You, you cut off the flower, but you haven't gotten all the roots. So you cut off part of the root, but you haven't gotten all the roots. So it flowers up again. Yeah. I, I think another thing that I've just heard a lot of in the last several years is a kind of self-justification where people will say, I would never do that. Whatever that, that was that hurt them. And it's, and, and it's probably true. I mean, I literally had a client where, the um, the president was embezzling a little bit of money and the CFO knew about it. The CFO was having an affair with someone and the president knew about it. And I was at a client site. I went to lunch with one of them one day and I went to lunch with the other the other day. The CFO said to the president, I would never do that. But he was doing something different. The president said of the CFO, I would never do that. But he was doing something different. But sometimes, sometimes, we can belittle the person who who harmed us, you know, whether it was a betrayal or just some snide remark. We can belittle them and 
And it's a way of self-justifying. But it, unfortunately, when we say, I would never do that, we're hanging, it's sort of like poking pins in them. You know, it's like they're a little Cupid doll or whatever it is. And you're, you're poking pins in their memory as we're saying, I would never do that. Um, which I think is just dangerous for us. Right. You know, and the idea, Sam, you know, we, in, in your email, you wrote um, that this is, this is another aspect of uh, nurturing the life of God within us. And it is just something that, I mean, it's one of those, we talk about finding stuck points or feeling stuck points. And, and usually this is the root of it right here, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's either unforgiveness, which is sin, or it's it's just sin. You know, I, I don't know that you can really take those two apart, actually. Yeah. But I just think it's so incredibly important because it will, as you talked about, it will it will become a bitter root in our life. You know, the other reason I think unforgiveness is tough, and I think you were the one that shared this quote with me. And so I put it in my quote file and, and ran across it. But you said this was, a, I, I'm sure it was you, this was attributed to Bonhoeffer. But it says, if you've ever really forgiven somebody, forgiven some real wrong, all forgiveness is suffering. And if you say, I forgive, and you didn't suffer, it wasn't really that serious a wrong. But and if you've true. ever, I mean, pardon me? I've forgiven so many people, and it was easy. But the truth is, it was just a dinky thing. You know? Right. So you're right. If you say, I forgave, and it wasn't suffering, it wasn't that big a deal. I'm right. sorry. Well, anyway, it just goes on. Just He just says, if you have ever really, truly been wronged and have forgiven it, then you have suffered because all forgiveness is a form of suffering. And I think in my life and others, people don't want to deal with forgiveness because they don't want to suffer through it again. Right? I suffered it once. I will not suffer it again. And yet to revisit it is to suffer again. And I think sometimes we're afraid uh, to deal with unforgiveness because we just don't want to feel the pain of suffering, even though the the pain of unforgiveness goes through us, goes with us through our life. But maybe it's a duller pain in one way. You know, I just think that's when I read that quote, I thought, I think that's a major factor. I felt it. I, I do. And I think I, I think the Bonhoeffer quote about all forgiveness is suffering is the key to understanding how to forgive. And and it requires a kind of humility and a grace that that really needs God. It really needs, it needs God's life in us to be able to do it. Because if somebody has deeply wronged me, as you're saying, so that it's a deep forgiveness I need to offer, I can either make them pay. I can tell all their friends what a jerk they were, what a liar they were, how whatever, or I have to pay. And you're saying, it doesn't fair feel right. If you're the one that was wrong in the first place and you have to pay, but this is what Jesus did. I mean, yeah. Jesus didn't just wave a magic wand and say, you're forgiven. Jesus paid so that we could be forgiven. And I think when the life of God is in us and when the life of God is nourished is when, is when God enables us in some ways to say, I am going to pay for that perpetrator's sin by loving them by speaking positively about them, by biting my tongue when I want to say something negative about them. And I, I, I do think that it, it, it's God's delight when we do this. 
I think the angels in heaven are rejoicing when bit by bit we're able to forgive, to pay that cost. And I think that's one of the reasons it takes time sometimes to forgive is the, the cost was so great. Yeah. That for me to forgive this person means I am paying it down over time. And it's hard, but I think it brings the kingdom of heaven on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Yeah. You know, as I think about that and I think about the small things, is sometimes we tend not to forgive. And then sometimes we forgive it in a really hurtful way. Like I think I've, I've had people come up to me, and I'm sure I've done this to others, where people come up to me and go, you know, when you said that thing, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute. That's not even in the realm of needing to be forgiven. Are you asking me why I said it and that I meant no harm? You know, but it 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 almost becomes an offense to me when they go, I forgive you. And it's like, what? And so I, I say that because one, I think it's ridiculous. I've had people do it to me, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. But secondly, I think um you know, I think we can forgive things, you know, in the small things. Someone says a, 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 a slighting remark to us. And I think it's best just to forgive them in our heart. I mean, we don't have to all the time say, wow, I forgive you for offending me. Okay, that's not helping. That actually feels really good to say that to the person. It feels like we're paying them back, doesn't it? It does. It feels like wrath. I feel like a, a wraith at this point. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, I I think that the idea of being able to pay someone else's penalty means we don't necessarily have to have them repent to us, you know. And that's sort of the issue you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is right. I think it's wonderful when someone comes to us and says, "I am so sorry, I said that. I'm so sorry, I ignored you. I'm, you know, whatever." I think it's wonderful when we do that for other people too. It's very life-giving when we don't offer any excuses. We just say, I am so sorry. I can't begin to imagine what that felt like. I mean, I think that is just life-giving. I think the angels in heaven are rejoicing. I, I, I think that when we're holding something against somebody, I think God calls us to forgive them. Now, forgiveness does not mean... Um, that we treat them completely as though we treat everybody else. So if somebody stole money from you, they may have a weakness with money and you may not want to loan them money. I mean, you know, I think that we want to treat people where they're at knowing that, but can we do this in a way that's not doing it out of bitterness, but just doing it out of love for the person say, I really want the best for this person. And, um, Bob Hazen just said, forgiveness is free. Trust is earned. You know, there's a, there's a way that you have to be honest and say, this person can't handle money or this person can't handle secrets or this person can't handle some other kind of gift. And so we say, that's fine, but I want them to be able to grow in handling money. I want to grow, have them to be able to grow in handling secrets. I want to love them. It's, it's, it's very hard, but I think God's life, grows multitude. You know, what, what is it? The Grinch's heart grew, grew three times that day or something. <laughs> I think, I think God's life in us grows three times when we, when we really learn to forgive from the heart. Yeah. And, and again, you know, as we said in the beginning, I think, you know, us walking in our calling or as Mark Buchanan called it, our destiny, you know, offering to the world, our God given effect, 
Um, I, I, I don't think the main hindrance to that is skill, you know, or wisdom. I, I think it's, you know, first of all, I think it's usually things like unforgiveness in our heart, things we have never dealt with. And it keeps tainting everything we say or do or holds us completely back. And, and maybe sometimes that's a good thing if it's going to be tainted, you know, and, and ultimately the, the very core, you know, the ultimate of this is if unforgiveness hinders the life of God within us, which is the very core of our calling, our effect, our destiny. But it's just something I think we have to be always aware of and always dealing with. I think, you know, again, if we have that alert and oriented and engaged heart, God will bring things up to us. He'll show us things, you know, like that trite little thing that happened this morning. I still need to figure out why my heart reacted, you know, but he'll, he'll in kindness bring little things up in the time we can handle it. Mm -hmm. um, and we do handle it or friends are able to say something like, Gary, why are you so upset right now? Or, why are you so disengaged at this point? I just feel like you're not even here right now. You know, those things that maybe we're not, we're not aware of, but are very true. I, I just think God gives us all sorts of ways, you know, to deal with darkness, unforgiveness, weakness in our hearts. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's great. I, I do think God is going to grow us in awareness of this. I, I think maybe some of the key is, um, is having humility. I and mean, we've talked about this before is we have our destiny, we have our calling, but we will never walk into our destiny and calling without the fruit of the spirit in our life, without, without growing that character that God wants, the strength of heart, as you like to call it, which I really love. And the reason I want to mention humility in the context of forgiveness is there's this, this great quote I love from a guy named Miroslav Volf. He was a a theologian in Croatia during, you know, the Balkan wars, and he had family members that were killed, raped, and he became a theologian at, at Yale, amazingly, a very orthodox believer. And he wrote once in a book talking about his experience, he said, and I'm going to try to remember the words, he said, forgiveness flounders because we exclude the enemy from the community of humans and we exclude ourselves from the community of sinners. You know, so there's a certain way I don't forgive you because I'm saying, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm not like that. And I exclude you from the community of just humans. And you're a brother, you're, you're flesh and blood. And there is a way I think we forgiveness flounders, forgiveness fails when I don't say he's a friend, he's a brother, he's a human. Or I say, I'm a sinner. I do just as many bad things as he. There's a kind of humility I need to be able to say, I need to include myself in the community of sinners. And when I do that, it's a little harder to hold on to unforgiveness. You know, Sam, as you say that, I, I think at the very, very core of our walking intimately with God is just humility. It always comes back down to it, always. You know, are we willing to offer forgiveness? Well, that's a humility factor. You know, are we, um, you know, willing to confess to God and to others? Well, that's a humility issue again. I mean, it's just humility is just in the heart of everything, it seems, you know, and, and even as how we offer our life to others, you know, the, the calling, the effect, the glory of our life to others. If we do it in humility, it's life-giving. If we do it out of pride and arrogance, which would be the opposite, 
it just stirs their pride and arrogance. That's all it does. So it's just such a key thing, and especially in this. Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it. And visit our websites, thenobleheart.com and beliefsoftheheart.com for more resources in living the eternal life with God today. You'll find articles, videos, and online classes. See you next week.